Hello and welcome to Hustlers for a Cause, the podcast for growth-oriented entrepreneurs and executives who aspire to create positive change in the world. Are you in business for more than just profit? Then like and subscribe today and join our channel to become a hustler for a cause. Hello and welcome to Hustlers for a Cause. Joining us today is Nir Bashan, a world-renowned expert in creativity with over 20 years of experience in various creative and non-creative roles. He's entrusted by both tech companies like Microsoft, Activision, and EA Sports, along with traditional companies like JetBlue, Nissan, and Suzuki to help them be more creative. Beyond the business world, he's even helped hip-hop stars like KRS-One and Cypress Hill. Nir is the founder and CEO of The Creator Mindset, and will be launching his book, The Creator Mindset, in just about two weeks' time from the date of this recording. Nir, it's great to have you on. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. That was a really good intro. Thanks. I try to do my homework. I want to live up to that. I want to aspire to that kind of greatness. So, <laughs> You know, I do have a question before we even get started. Like, yeah. I've seen in a couple of your videos and podcasts and stuff, you always have this guitar in the background and you have like recording studio equipment. Are you like a hobbyist musician? I'm a hobbyist musician, yes. Do you play guitar actually? I play guitar, yeah. I'm actually a bass player. I'm trained in double bass and then switched over mm-hmm. to electric bass when I went to undergrad and then switched to audio engineering and music recording. And so I kind of have a, a wide everything music background. Awesome. Do you play also? Yeah. So I have like, it's kind of hidden <laughs> over here, but my Sweet. 96, yeah, Sonic Blue American Strat. Have you played for a long time, like since childhood? And do you think that creativity is something that you'd consider yourself like a creative person? You know, it's an interesting question. I've been playing music for a very long time. I came to this country from Israel knowing zero English. Music is kind of the universal connection. And I've always been interested in music and creativity in general. You know, you asked if I feel like, you know, I'm particularly creative. I I think so. Yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, totally. But I also think that it took me a while to figure that out because I didn't think that I was very creative. And I thought that people were either creative or not. And if you're not creative, then you're kind of out of luck. And what I learned through, you know, 20 plus years of research is that we're all really born creative and some people haven't lost touch with it, Sean, and some people Mm -hmm. have. Unfortunately, most people in business have completely lost touch, completely like boobar, man, lost touch with the creative side. Do you think that's like the education system and the way that we grew up, even from early childhood, like so much focus on memorization and stuff that causes that? And if so, is this like really a problem in the U.S. or is this like a global thing that all education Global. You know, we studied for the book. We had to research and attribute all these things in there. And I found that this is a global phenomenon. It's not a U.S. or a West thing. It's a West, Mm -hmm. East, North and South sort of thing. Everywhere in the world, we tend to value the analytical, quantifiable. If it can be expressed in numbers, then it must be good. You know, in a way, you can't blame people for that analytical love affair. Why? Because we can express things in numbers. How many downloads does this podcast get, Sean? Oh, it must be good. You know, you get 10,000 down. I don't know, 100,000 down. So the numbers are inherently deceptive. 
when we sort of develop a love affair with them, we kind of say, okay, that's it. That's the North Star. And everything else, just mm-hmm. get rid of. Let's focus on data, 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 and yep. get rid of anything else. But for me, data is nothing if it's not turned into information. And mm-hmm. information is a creative mindset. Interesting. You know, as you say that, I think of like, is it a human problem that we look for certainty? And so once we have like a numerical value that creates that certainty to us, so then we stop the creative process? Like, is that brilliant? That's a brilliant Sean. That is exactly what I set out to kind of figure out. And that is exactly the truth. So we studied kind of early man and woman and early humans. And what we found was that there is a certain kind of approach to certainty and to Mm -hmm. regularity that humans love. And the ability for us to replicate things over and over were life-saving. So I'm not knocking it, right? So in Mm -hmm. the past, and I'm talking ancestral past, I'm talking 50,000 years ago plus, we found a cave and it was like a pretty nice cave. Had like a nice part, had the little bathroom and, you know, the (laughs) walk-in closet, right? The uh, two-car garage for the uh, push cart or whatever. And, you know, it was safe, relatively safe. And so we were like, we're not moving. And then Mm -hmm. we found the water hole, right? Which nine out of 10 times wasn't poisoned by poop. And so we're like, yeah, this is a good water hole, right? And then we found these berries that eight out of 10 times didn't kill us. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we ate them, we were like, yeah, you know, we're very much programmed for comfort and predictability. And Mm -hmm. it turns out, that comfort and predictability today mean something totally different than they did to our ancestors, yet we're still driven by these impulses. And what we have is just a complete tragedy in modern business when we have traded sort of creativity for these comforts from 50,000 years ago. So that's kind of what I see when I'm out there consulting and talking to different businesses. I see that over and over again. It's just complacency, comfort, and the prevalence of an attitude that is like, hey, you know, we're cool. Everything is fine. This is going to last forever. Yet for me, creativity is something that enables every business and even every career. You don't have to own a business. You can be, you know, a professional just working to get to the next stage. Uh, Mm -hmm. creativity is something that kind of enables you to get there without complacency and without resting on a previous success. Okay. So let's back up for a second. Let's talk what is creativity in like the general context and what does it mean in the business context? So creativity for me is the activation of a part of the mind that we have not activated for years. We're all born creative as children. And as we get older, we stop being creative for whatever reason. And creativity for me is a problem-solving tool, maybe the best in humanity, to be able to overcome together with the analytics, right? I'm not saying throw away that. I'm saying combine them. We've been running on, you know, half a tank of gas. We need to combine both sides of the mind to be completely 100% operating to our potential. So for me, creativity is really the missing link between where you are now and where you want to go. I think you had a quote, you want to help the world see what it can be, not what it is. And I think in today's economy, that's like more relevant than ever, right? With COVID-19 and Black Lives Matter. Why is it so important now? And how do we action it? 
Sean, it's one of the most important things that creativity gives you is an ability to envision a future that you make. The analytics are going to tell you no, 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 right? No, you can't get to that next stage of your job because of A, B, and C, and all of them are very analytical. There's somebody in front of you that's in line for promotion, not you. That guy will die in that position. They'll never give it up. All analytical constructs. But when you're able to envision things with a creator mindset, you start to see the world as it can be, just like you said, not like Mm -hmm. it is. And when you see things that they can be, you open up and unlock potential for solving problems. We need potential right now more than anything. Listen, the reality sucks. You and Mm -hmm. I know that. We can talk about it for an hour if you want, but your listeners are tired of hearing it. They Mm -hmm. know that COVID is spreading everywhere. They know there's racial injustices, that there are issues right? And that is what we hear 99% of the time. You turn on the news, you look at your app, your favorite social or whatnot, you're just hearing news and analytics over and over again about how bad the situation is. What we need to do is we need to embrace something different, something Mm -hmm. that'll give us the power and the will and the aptitude to overcome these things, not just say, you know what, there's a problem. Who cares? Everybody Mm -hmm. knows that there's a problem. What are you going to do, Sean, to make it better? What are your listeners going to do to make it better? This is why I think you're uniquely positioned with your podcast to spark that, yeah, dude, it's okay to get out there and make a lot of money and stuff like that. That's good. That's Mm -hmm. by and large a very, very good thing. But what now? And so Mm -hmm. what I want your listeners to kind of think about is that creativity will help you get to the what now. It will show you kind of what you need to do. Listen, we're all born creative, right? We went through that. But what I believe is creativity is as individual as your DNA. So it really makes up the sort of confines of who you are and the way that I practice creativity and the way that you practice creativity or your listeners is going to be totally, totally different. And we need that right now to come up with solutions to Mm -hmm. COVID, to everything else that's going on because we don't want to be stuck in the analytical because I'm sorry, it ain't going to give us solutions. Interesting. When I started like hearing about your book and looking up and hearing like you consider creativity that it takes like this recipe and toolkit. And so I just like immediately think of it and think of, okay, what you've done is put like a structure to the creative process. I know you were a copywriter in the past. I've worked with a bunch of copywriters and we tend to like formulate how we're going to get to our answer, right? We're going to start with a topic. We're going to put the structure, then the detail. Yeah. Is that what this this concept is or it sounds almost like you're saying the opposite right like it's almost like this unbounded thought and like applying it so how does this work so i wrote the book because i was a consumer of this information i needed it i noticed people around me doing really well that were creative people around me not doing well were not creative i was like great there's got to be a book right there's got to be a book like something i could read a video or like something i can absorb and then go out there and practice sort of creativity i know how to play guitar does that mean i'm creative i don't know dude i need to make more money i need to like get to the next level of my career and what ended up happening was there's no books out there on the how of creativity. Everything Mm -hmm. out there is why. Why to be creative. So I literally wrote down the how to be creative. How did I do it? 
20 plus years, I've run really successful companies. Sean, I've run companies into the ground. I mm -hmm. did that with my production company in Hollywood. I've run other people's companies really well, and I've run other people's companies <laughs> into the ground. So, like, I get it. And, yep. you know, I've talked to a lot of people, and everyone from behavioral psychologists to immunologists and infectious disease doctors, all the way to manufacturing experts. And all of these people sort of throughout 20 years of, of getting it wrong most of the time and getting it right mm -hmm. a few times had led me to write down kind of a recipe. And that's what the book is. There's maybe 10 or 15 pages of theory in the beginning. And mm -hmm. then we plop right into the 92 tools. Almost every chapter has a couple of actionable items because I got tired of people talking about how great creativity is. You know, that's great. Mm -hmm. What now? How do I do it? It's not about the how, it's about the why. We should all be creative. But like, unless you show somebody how to do it, it just makes no sense. So I wrote a book about how people can become creative. You just follow the steps in there. And what I love is, you know, people in finance who are like, I'm the last person on earth that's creative. I spent mm -hmm. all day in Excel and that's all I do. And I like, I teach them, hey, try to look at numbers in a different way. Try to see these mm -hmm. numbers as tools to get things done and not just, you know, a PL sheet and so on and so forth. And yep. see them get energized by the fact that a different approach and a different modality perspective towards mm -hmm. their work can give them amazing benefit and a real sense of control, fun even, and make an uplifting experience out of something that would be traditionally viewed as analytical. And that's mm -hmm. what I'm, I get really excited about. Cool. So can you tell us like a little bit of how that system you've developed works? Yeah, so it starts off by what I call the trinity of creativity, which mm -hmm. is the concept, the idea, and the execution. So if you think of a way, and, and I'm oversimplifying, so yep. please don't send me an email if you're a <laughs> distiller. But if you make whiskey, right, you make yep. bourbon or whatnot, the top vat, which I call the concept, is the water and the yeast and, you know, all the ingredients, the corn or whatever you're making it from. And then the second vat is sort of like the more focus. It's more like starting to kind of develop alcohol and stuff like this, and you get rid of all of the, the corn's gone. It's kind of a liquid now. And then the third one, which I call the execution, as it kind of trickles down in the vat, is 90-proof bullet bourbon available with a wax seal or whatever it is. Yep. So what I teach people to do is how to take any of their ideas, business or service, and use those three hallmarks to develop a product mm -hmm. or a service at the end so that you could take all the raw ingredients at the top and then sort of get it to a more focused environment in the middle and then finally end up with the exact thing that you want to put out into the market. And then I teach people how to take those things and creatively come up with new and different innovation based on those three structures. Then there's 89 other tools in the book that mm -hmm. kind of take that concept and then help you execute it in a bunch of different ways. Interesting. So are those almost like use cases or something like those 89? It's use cases. Like, and yep. so listen, I consult a bunch, right? I get, I do a lot of work in manufacturing for some reason, but also in medicine. And mm -hmm. when I come in, people are always like, oh no, oh no, near it's here. We're going to have to buy <laughs> new gear. 
we're going to have to buy a new machine or we're going to have to hire a bunch of people and set up an innovation department. This yep. is going to be so expensive. But every mm -hmm. tool that I talk about in the book around creativity is free. It costs yep. zero. It's really about shifting your mindset to start to not be so in love with numbers all the time and to understand that you need to balance things out. Mm -hmm. Listen, Sean, I think we're so wacky today, man, all over the world, right? We see people yep. extreme left. We see people extreme right. And it's about time that we start getting to the middle, for mm -hmm. God's sakes. I mean, we need to balance. And I'm guilty of it, too. I've been just driven on one side or another and so on and so forth. And you know how life goes. But the more that I center myself and the more that I borrow the great tools of the creative and I borrow the great tools of the analytic, the better mm -hmm. I do at business, man, the better yep. I do at my companies and the better I do at work. And I'm able to offer somebody something that has amazing altruistic sort of subtext, which is an empowerment, a way to, to sort of move forward, a sensibility that, you know, you can't really have if you're not operating in balance and that's kind of what mm -hmm. that I'm a proponent of that type of thinking kind of that yep. center balance that we need I'm a guitar player right we talked about that a little bit as a kid like I would write four or five songs a day in like 10 minutes they would just pop out not even thinking about it right then like one day I hit writer's block and I no longer could produce a song <laughs> and every once in a while like it just happens but most of the time it doesn't so when I look at like what you're saying your system is, right? It's almost like you're saying we need to start with an idea. What about for that person that hit like the writer's block that all of a sudden they just can't break free and they can't get the idea? What do you do in that situation? Sean, you're going to hate me for saying this. And I'm probably not going to be invited to the next podcast. <laughs> but there's no such thing as writer's block. Creativity is about perspiration, not inspiration. It's about mm -hmm. getting your butt in your seat and doing. And so if your particular manifestation is writing songs and yep. you want to be creative in writing songs, you get a pen out, mm -hmm. right? And you sort of go, okay, this is my idea. Cool, choppy 90s riff with a bridge that, kind of like a muted palm, you know, going into a clean with a chorus on solo back yep. and forth and you write it down. When you write stuff down, it activates a portion of the mind that allows you to start to explore what you've written creatively. It's amazing. I don't know how it works, but it works and mm -hmm. it's in the book. We got it attributed at several sources. So when you write stuff down, then you look at it, right? And you go, okay, cool. I'm having writer's block or music block or mm -hmm. any block, which I yep. think is bullshit. Doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So you look at what you've kind of written and you go, well, instead of a choppy 70 thing, let me try a minor riff. Who does minor riffs anymore? Nobody. Why mm -hmm. should I do it? Because nobody's doing it. Here we go. You know, you yeah. start on E minor, then you go to a different chord, you know, uh, yep. maybe an A minor thing. And you're like, okay, cool. I'm getting somewhere. Mm -hmm. And listen, I've worked with some famous musicians. All of them do that. Maybe not all of them, but mm -hmm. most of them that I have sat in a studio with where they're paying for time and there's a yep. problem. Mm -hmm. There's always a problem in a recording session. This bridge does not work to that chord. It's like, guys, yep. Didn't you figure that out before you came in here and you're spending, you know, $500 an hour or whatever? Yep. Maybe, maybe not. And I've seen people work and they get out a pad of paper. Some write notes. Some write it in sections like, oh, this is my bridge. This is my course. Some write it by the lyrics where the modalities are going. But mm -hmm. having a sense of 
writing it down and looking at it forces you to solve it. It's right here. There's your problem. Solve it. It's not about like, oh, I'm waiting for inspiration or something to hit. Mm -hmm. All of that stuff is pure baloney. It is about executing over and over and over again on mm -hmm. a predictable sort of path of sparking creativity. And for me, it's a discipline. Interesting. So then there's almost like a, a momentum aspect to this too, right? That it just like the consistency of doing helps to create some of that. No doubt. When you sit and determine that you're going to do something and you kind of put your mind to it, especially when you write it down, you create kind of an actionable path, right? Mm -hmm. You materialize what it is that you need to do. You're going to get there. If you put up like a, you know, a mood board or picture wish board and mm -hmm. it's all your favorite guitar players, you're like, I'm going to get there. Well, you're not. You need to put down a <laughs> recipe and a process to get there. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that recipe and that process is going to be different for you than it is for me. Okay. It's going to be different for every person on earth. And that's the glory of it. And that's why you have, you know, the Foo Fighters have a different sound than Van Halen. That's yep. why you have Bob Marley sounding different than Israel Vibration, that you have completely different building blocks of DNA of people's creativity coming out in different ways. On top of that, if you want to mm -hmm. get like kind of deep, dude, if you want to get deep, I feel that we have to do it that we are morally obligated to let that creativity out into the world because that will manifest itself in problem solving mm -hmm. for the benefit of everyone. My particular slice of life is enterprise. Dude, I feel like yep. enterprise system that we practice in the U.S. and, and in the West has is, is really lifted more people out of poverty than anything else on earth around the world. And it's a great and glorious system. Is it the best? No. But is it working now? Yes. Is it the best thing that we have? Yes. Let's keep going. Mm -hmm. So I believe that because of that, we see kind of the ripple effects worldwide. But what I'm really concerned about is that scientist who's working on a cure for cancer, right? And they're like, you know, they have a bunch of creative ideas and they don't act on it. Guess who suffers? You and me. I mean, you know, God forbid we pick up a particular form of cancer. I mean, God forbid your listeners too. And, you know, here we are, we're like, okay, this sucks. Where's the cure? The same thing with COVID. We need a cure. We need somebody to work on it. And there are such brilliant minds out there. I am completely not one of them, but there are brilliant people in science and medicine who are exploring every day. And instead of like harvesting that creativity so that we can all benefit, you know, they're like, nah, this idea is too out there. No, it's too wacky. No, I'll lose my reputation. And they bury that idea down. It's something I call the self-doubt monster, which I talk about in one full chapter in the book because it's that important. So I feel like we all lose by not being creative. Interesting. You actually hit on points too I wanted to like go towards. So if everyone were to become more creative from reading your book, is the one positive change you'd like to see in the world, is it really in medicine or is it somewhere else? Or what do you think that would be? I think it'll touch all of humanity in everything that we do. And part of this, Sean, is like kind of a selfish goal. <laughs> yep. You know, I think you'll see farmers making better food, growing mm -hmm. stuff better. There's all kinds of ideas of how to get produce to market in a quicker, easier, better ways. There's all kinds of ways to raise livestock, calf-cow operations to get meat to the table fresher and quicker. I mean, listen, I don't work in those fields, but there are people who do, and they come up with brilliant ideas, mm -hmm. great stuff that can really change 
the game. But unfortunately, 99% of us, and I'm probably more guilty than anybody on earth for this, mm -hmm. but most of us shut those down, shut those ideas down. They say, oh, it's not good enough. That will never happen. It's too out there. It's too different than how we're doing it today. Most people shut those ideas down and tragically they go away. So I feel the benefit of creativity can happen in every single business and every single field on earth. And is there any kind of problem that you would think creativity is not suited for? Or are there certain attributes of like, when I'm looking at a problem that I'd identify and say, this problem is well fit for creativity. And the most basic example, like if I'm doing a math problem of one plus one, I probably don't need creativity. So there's probably some things there that tell me when this problem should be looked at from that mindset. No doubt. I am a lifelong believer in balancing the creative and the analytic. The analytical mind has been developed in spades already to the umpteenth level. We're done. We're mm -hmm. literally done there. We have no more work that we need to do as a global society. In every society on earth, it is the foot forward. Why? Because we talked about it earlier. You can quantify. Quantify mm -hmm. makes us feel warm and fuzzy and it is something we love. But mm -hmm. for me, I'm more along the lines of when these issues come up, what does that too really mean? And how can I use it in a day-to-day -day business? How do I use it in my enterprise? I believe that, yes, there's a structure for analytics and it's important. I look at PL sheets all the time and quarterly reports, and those are one set of story, right? But yep. there's a reason why that number came in and it's up to you to find it creatively. I'm not saying creatively like mix the numbers. I was on a finance podcast and I freaked out the host. <laughs> She was like, no, this is our thing. And I add it and I make these wonderful pivots and like my Excels are so tight and everything is perfect. And we dial it in. I said, okay, yes, I get it. You know, you've dialed it in, but what do those numbers mean? She's like, no, they mean this. They're a reflection of this line and that line. And this is coming in. And I said, okay, great. What do those numbers really mean? Right? Are they an amount of revenue? Are they amount of profit? They're revenue before profits. Okay, cool. What's the profit we get? three and a half percent out of this number turns into profit. I said, okay, what number would you like it to be? They're like higher. I'm like, okay, how much higher? You know, uh, three percentage yep. points. Let's look at some of these, these sections that got us to this number. Where did this come from? Oh, this came from this department. What are they doing? And then it's like, whoa, let's start making a shift. Oh, they're processing this. How are they doing it? Whoa, we start mm -hmm. shifting a little bit more. Oh, they're uh, moving this around and you know they're supposed to get this to this department on this time. I'm like, oh, very interesting. Let's mm -hmm. look at how they're doing that. How are they getting that across to this other department? What's the connectivity? Is it a project manager that's connecting it? Is mm -hmm. it an employee to another employee that management? No, near. we yep. have a project manager. They're in charge of blah, blah, blah. They get the sheet every day and they see it. I'm like, okay, who makes the sheet? Okay, cool. So so if they look at the sheet, are those the numbers that are currently happening or, or not? They're like, well, they're a day old, but they're the latest reflection. Oh, mm -hmm. they're the latest reflection. Like yep. those are the kinds of gold moments for me that we can mm -hmm. look at inside of an organization and start to really tweak up the creative potential of, of solving those little problems. Have you talked to the manager who's in charge of that collaboration between the two departments to see what they think? And what are her ideas, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And people are like, no, why would I do that? It's like, 
because they're on it every day for God's sake. See what they want to do. There's a company out in the Midwest that decided, you know, to really embed creativity in their entire organization, not just management down, but everybody. Mm -hmm. And literally they were dictating some of the most important moves that the company was making by people working on the manufacturing line. They would say, hey, you know, this is the way it's been done. This is the way it's always been done. But if you tweak this, 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 you get a 1% increase of productivity. That 1% increase of productivity by the time the product got to market was mm -hmm. an amazing benefit in terms of profitability and, and yep. in terms of margin. But a lot of people don't want to look there because, you know, we're analytical and we're comfortable there. There should be no rock unturned when thinking creatively in your business to maximize the effectiveness of creativity throughout the entire organization. Excellent. So if I were to have everyone in the world now do one thing differently after this interview, what would that one thing be for you? I think that we need to listen to our inner sort of creativity trying to get out and tell us what we need to be doing. If we're miserable at work, if we hate our lives, if everything is a grind and, you know, mm -hmm. Sunday night you get a tummy ache before you go to work because, you know, Monday sucks. You need to listen to kind of your inner voice and that'll tell you what you need to do. And that's something that everybody can do today, tomorrow, tonight when they're listening to this podcast and it'll help them realize where they need to go and what they need to do. It's very important to listen to what that creativity is telling you because the analytics will give you very little joy. It's a tool, but joy really comes from the creativity and from giving. But when we sit and spend our entire life on the analytical side and wonder why we're not happy, it's because we're not really combining our effectiveness together. So the one thing that your listeners can do right now is understand that they need to start listening to their gut and their gut is going to tell them what they need to do, one. And then two, they need to start listening to that self-doubt monster that will pop mm -hmm. up immediately after they start listening to their gut, right? <laughs> and immediately your own <laughs> biological sense from 50,000 years ago will tell you, stay put, stay put. You need to eat those berries because nine out of 10 times they won't kill you. You know, mm -hmm. stay put. There's no poop in the water. It's delicious. These days we got to evolve around that and know that we are being constantly pushed down by the self-doubt monster and understanding that we need to listen to our gut and really listen to it and not let it get squashed by the self-doubt monster, which comes out immediately after you start listening to your gut is an incredibly creative and beneficial tool people can do today, now. Cool. Thanks so much for your time. I mean, this has been really awesome and getting to just dive in on creativity. This has probably been one of my favorite episodes to date, think about and to prepare for. Um, Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. that. I really do. Where do you see things going for yourself after this book is published? So I really want to do more talking at different associations and companies. I enjoy that, you know, giving keynotes and workshops. Mm -hmm. I also really enjoy consulting. I like diving deep into problems that different companies have. My favorite is companies that I know nothing about, fields mm -hmm. that I know nothing about. Those are my favorite because I can try to start to find through line, you know, in those fields that exist in all fields. And I love that. I love kind of coming up with unifying theories. I want to start another book already. <laughs> so I'm working with my book agent on coming up with some more ideas. One of them that we're tossing around pretty seriously right now is how to 
use creativity in crisis because everything is so hot right now. Coming up with ways that creativity could solve crisis and has in the past for for many, many years, I think is a very important and relevant subject. So that's kind of where I'm at, doing some more talking, consulting, and hopefully getting another book underway. Nice. And what would you say your biggest challenge is now? And what do you think that challenge will be in six months to a year from now? I like to do things in person. And Mm -hmm. so that's incredibly challenging for me that I can't get on a plane and go see a client, spend time with them and their operation and see exactly what's going on. I can to a limited degree, but not like we used to. And so the biggest challenge for me right now is that on the ground, in-person connection. There is nothing that can replace an in-person meeting, spending time with somebody, talking about their family or their hobbies, or I really miss those days. And I hope that we can get back to them soon. It's the biggest challenge in my business now because I'm so hands-on. I really want to get back out there and and start to do more face-to-face. Where can people go to learn more about you and to buy the book? My name is Nir Bashan, N-I-R-B-A-S-H-A-N. My website is nirbashan.com. The book website is thecreatormindset.com. The book's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, which is the indie bookstore. You can find it translated into two languages. It's being released all over the world. And I really hope to hear from you, honestly. You can find my email. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Insta. I'm on Twitter. Send me a note. Let me know if this is resonating or, or not. Or, you know, let me know how it's helping you in your life. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time and for coming on the show. And I'd love to have you back on again after the book is launched. All right, cool. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Take care.